Hello friends, welcome to Homegrown KC, a podcast dedicated to exploring Kansas City's fascinating history and sharing stories from its rich past. I'm your host, Laura. Join me today as we explore a piece of Kansas City's history. Hello, ladies, gents, and other persons. Before we get started today, I just wanted to say a heartfelt thank you to everyone. Homegrown KC had over 100 downloads in the month of November, and if you downloaded it, I'm assuming that means you also listened to it, which means over 100 listens, and that's just amazing. I'm blown away. Thank you so much. Alright, let's get down to business. I am so excited to continue telling you the story of the Kansas City Stockyards. If you're just tuning in, I recommend that you pause here and go back and listen to part one, then rejoin us. No, really, go ahead. We'll wait for you. Oh, you're back. Great. Okay, so now that everybody's caught up, let's go. Today's story begins with an all-American favorite pastime. No, wait, that's baseball. Didn't we cover that already? (laughs) JK, for reals though, let me give you a little clue. Yep. The Rodeo, also known as the American Royal. But please, do not be misled by my gross oversimplification. The American Royal has so much more to it than just bronco riding and bull riding and barrel racing. The American Royal traces its roots back all the way to 1883 with the first annual show by the KC Fat Stock Show Association. Wow, that's a little bit of a mouthful. (laughs) The American Royal actually began in 1899, making this its 120th year with the National Hereford Show. Did I say that right? Hereford? Um, which was heavily influenced by one of the greatest events in American history. It could be his own podcast series, the Chicago World's Fair of 1893, which also featured a purebred show and was attended by C.R. Thomas of the American Hereford Breeders Association. So he went to the show and at the Chicago World's Fair, which, like, if I could go back in time, that's probably one of the first places I would go. Um, he saw the show, he was inspired, and then he comes back to Kansas City, and he's like, we need to do this, guys. So uh, then the next year, um, which would be 1884, um, the shorthorn breeders were like, hey, we want in on this. And so they joined, and then the year after that, Everybody else was down to party, too. They had Galloway, cattle, sheep, swine, poultry, and draft horses. The Angus Cattle um, Breeders Association were invited to join, but they were like, nah, we're good, we'll do our own thing uh, for a couple of years, and then they finally joined in 1902. Uh, This is all taking place in a giant tent down at the stockyards. Um, Meanwhile, a guy named A.E. Stillwell is holding a horse show at Convention Hall. Um, so at that time, Convention Hall is basically in the location of Municipal Auditorium today. 
Um, and this was going, there, the two shows were going on simultaneously, like the same week or weekend, however they scheduled it. Um, but then beginning in 1905, he's like, okay, let's combine forces. And so the American Royal Horse Show also moved to the stockyards, and then they would have the cattle and other animals during the day and the horses at night. World War One hit the American world hard. Um, lots of financial losses. It didn't really phase the stockyards, um, and I'll get to why later, but the American world did suffer some significant some financial loss. Um, and from 1915 to 1922, it's basically um, in transient mode, so it's held in a different location almost every year. In 1917, it was even held at Electric Park, which I had never heard of until I started this podcast, but it sounds really cool, so that'll be a future episode. Uh, anyway, in 1921, they finally built a permanent building for the American Royal down at the stockyards. It cost a total of $650,000 and was mostly paid by the Kansas City Stockyards Company. Um, 100000 were from the businessman of Kansas City and then 10000 from the American Shorthorn Association and another 10000 from the American Hereford Association. But February 13th, 1925... There was this major fire during an automobile exhibition that destroyed most of the building. They rebuilt it really quickly. Um, so the American Royal Parade was held the next year. Of course, with a parade, you have a queen and a queen's court and a coronation ball. Uh, this was, quote, discontinued, according to the American Royal website, after 1988. So it's like 60-something years. That's a really long time, guys. Um, but it was replaced with an ambassadorial education program. This sounds pretty cool. The American Royal also saw the birth of the FAA. That's the, uh, sorry, I said that wrong. The FFA. That's the Future Farmers of America, uh, which began in 1928. According to their website, they are an intracurricular youth organization dedicated to agriculture and leadership. Their headquarters remained in Kansas City until, again, 1988. I don't know why this is a big year for the American Royal. Um, but at that time, they moved to Louisville, Kentucky. The rodeo and the dairy show were added in 1949 and then stopped in 51, but was re-added in 65. And, of course, the American Rodeo has been a fan favorite since that time. My favorite addition to the American Royal is the American Royal Barbecue Competition. Y'all know I've talked about how much I love barbecue before. This thing sounds awesome. It began in 1980. Um, so this was the, uh, what is that, 30th year? Something like that. i really bad at math, so, you know, back off. This year it was held down at the Speedway Racetrack by Legends Outlet Mall and KCK. Um, and I wanted to go... I didn't get a chance to go this year, but it's on my back list. Hopefully, I'll get to go next year. Due to powerful rainstorms with winds of over 70 miles per hour, the roof of the main building, uh, American Royal Building, collapsed in 1979. I assume it was repaired. Um, none of my sources specified that it was, but the annual shows kept happening at that location, so I think it's a safe bet that it had been repaired. Anyway, um, at that time, the building was already 50 years old, so, like, we're not surprised that the roof collapsed. And then, 12 years later, in 1991, 
it was in even worse condition. So, R. Crosby Kemper Jr. gave the organization $1.5 million to rebuild the complex, which of course they did, and of course they renamed it in his honor. Um, it was actually more in honor of Kemper Sr., who had been heavily involved in the American Royal. But it also wasn't just him, because Sutherland Family Foundation and the Hall Family Foundation also donated large sums of money. Apparently just not as much as $1.5 million. It was renovated again in 2018 and reopened as the High V Arena. But just like Sandstone Amphitheater down in Bonner Springs, everybody still calls it the Kemper Arena. Today, the American Royal is headquartered in Wyandotte County, Kansas, and they host a yearly quarterly cutting, jumper, hunter, and Arabian horse shows. Um, in fact, the Arabian horse show is coming up. It'll be December 8th and 7th and 8th at the Hale Arena in the West Bottoms, and it's free to attend. If that weekend wasn't already solidly booked, I would totally be there. I'll go ahead and include an article, um, sorry, a link for the Hale Arena on the website as well. Um, anyway, they do still have a rodeo, of course, and the barbecue, as already discussed. They also have an annual Uptown Hoedown, which sounds like an outdoor concert slash dance party. Um, they have a couple of network events called Royal on the Rooftop, and they have a steak competition, which is apparently separate from the barbecue competition. Um, last but not least, and this is a direct quote from their website, the American Royal reaches over 104,000 people each year, including over 18,000 students through programs and outreach, provides over 100 scholarships for academic excellence and achievements, and hosts more than 2,900 contestants in nationally recognized competitive events. Programs such as school tours, Ag STEM Explorer, and the Neighborhood Schools Partnership introduce agriculture concepts including nutrition, food sources, and animal health to children from across the metropolitan area. Collectively, the American Royal oversees $400,000 in scholarship funds and contributes over $1 million annually to agriculture education, scholarships, and competitive learning. So that's super cool. They obviously do a lot for the community and for just like the nation, you know. Um, climate change is a big thing right now. I feel like nutrition and food source and animal health are all a big part of that. The next segment of our show is going to cover World War I and World War II. Kind of a big deal. Well, everywhere. I mean, it wasn't called a world war for nothing. But Kansas City and the Stockyards played a big role in these transcontinental battles. Although World War I caused the American Royal significant financial loss, as previously mentioned, uh, the Depression was pretty good, and the American Royal experienced financial growth during that time. I know that sounds a little weird, financial growth during the Great Depression. It's just as weird to say. But actually, all of Kansas City experienced significant monetary gain during the Depression. And... I will not tell you why. That'll be a future episode. But during World War II, the stockyards shipped mules overseas, which were then used to transport supplies across the Himalayan mountains in support of the Chinese army who were fighting the Japanese. And the American Royal Building was converted into a plant that built gliders. 
How cool is that? Gliders. But all good things must come to an end. And the end of the Kansas City Stockyards began on Friday the 13th, 1951. This became known as Black Friday. The West Bottoms were protected by dikes over 35 feet high and were reinforced with concrete flood walls 8 feet tall on top of the dikes. The Kansas River Valley had received an average of 8 inches of rain beginning just a few days before, um, although some areas had as much as 18 and a half inches. Early in the morning of Friday the 13th, the dikes gave way and the river flowed at 15 miles per hour, completely flooding the west bottoms and decimating the stockyards. Floodwaters rose as high as three feet above the second story of the Livestock Exchange building. So, that's something like 35 feet or better. This is, without a doubt, the worst flood in Kansas City history. Um, try imagining all the flooding that we had this past spring, but much, much worse. Areas as far away as Manhattan and Topeka also exploded, uh, experienced major flooding and extensive damage. This flood forced the Army Corps of Engineers to, finally, construct a reservoir called Tuttle Creek Dam, which had been suggested um, in the earlys, um, sorry, in the 30s and again in the 40s. So, like, way before the flood occurred. But farmers um, didn't want to lose their land. Um, the dam would have incorporated part of their land, and apparently it's very, um, I think the word is aerable. It's like it's good soil to grow stuff on, right? And so, like, I totally get it. You don't want to lose your land. This is your livelihood. But, I mean, hello, how many times did it flood before 1951? I talked about that in the last episode. You think they kind of would have gotten the idea that this needs to be fixed. But the farmers had enough pool to keep the dam from being built. And this is why the stockyards are no longer a thing in Kansas City. But just imagine, had the reservoir been built when it was supposed to be, that would still be a thriving industry in this area. Anyway, um, after the flood of 51, the stockyards and meatpacking industry saw a rapid decline. Armor began closing down operations in 65, and after 96 years of operating in KCK, closed its doors in 1967. The company did own, open a small plant in Martin City in 1973, but this meatpacking industry giant is not in Kansas City. A year after Armour closed down, Swift also closed down its slaughterhouse, and by 1974, all of the big four packing houses were gone. Again, like Armour before, Swift opened a plant near Kansas City in the Turner Bottoms in 1984. In 1990, the NF Building Co., a company owned by the Bass Brothers in Fort Worth, Texas, bought the Livestock Exchange Building and 13 acres of the stockyards. A year later, the very last of the cattle auctions were held at the stockyards, and the NF Building Corps bought the remaining 35-yard acres, and that was the very end of the Kansas City stockyards. In 2008, Bill Haw, a former owner of the Livestock Exchange Building, donated documents pertaining to the stockyards to the Kansas City Public Library. 
According to one source, there were as many as 5,000 documents in this, so that's awesome. A preliminary inventory of the collection was funded by Henry Martyr from Mission, Kansas. Um, and then the library was awarded a grant by the Council on Library and Information Services to completely archive, catalog, and preserve these documents beginning in 2014. Before I sign off, let's talk sources. I looked at a lot of stuff for this, especially in the archives. But my favorite resource was a book called The Cattle Trails and West Bottom Tales by Edward T. Methany, and again, I don't know if I'm saying your name right. I apologize if I'm not. Um, it was super easy to read. It had a lot of photos and illustrations. So I definitely recommend it if you want um, to read about this a bit more. I also really liked Tied to the Great Packing Machine, The Midwest, and Meat Packing by Wilson J. Warren. I only read the one chapter on women in the industry. Um, it's not a light read like the cattle trails were. It's very in-depth. Um, but if you want more information about the industry as a whole, I'd recommend it. If you enjoyed today's episode, please give me a five-star review on whichever app you listen to. Uh, also, like and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter. I'm Homegrown KC on all these platforms. Make sure to visit my website for more information. For today's episode, you will find links for the American Royal website, the Future Farmers of America website, a website for the Livestock Building Exchange. Yes, it's still a thing. How cool is that? <laughs> There's, like, offices and companies that work out of there. Um, there's a couple of articles on labor and ethnicity in the stockyards that I'll include, and of course, historic photographs from the Kansas City Public Library. You can also use the website to send me additional comments, questions, and episode suggestions, or you can just email me at homegrownkcpodcast at gmail.com. Shout out to my very first Patreon supporter, Mike. Thank you, Mike, for your support. It's both humbling and thrilling. Mike is the best, and if you want to be cool like Mike, it's not too late to subscribe to my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash homegrownkc. For as little as $2 a month, you can get exclusive episodes. By the way, surprise announcement. I have my very first Patreon interview penciled into my calendar. I'll be sitting down with prominent Kansas City jazz historian and director of the Mars Sound Archives, Charles Haddix. This special episode will be available by the end of the month, but I want you to listen to my summary on jazz history first. That way that you don't hear like the pro talk about it and then you come listen to me and you're like, oh, Laura, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. So listen to me first so you won't be disappointed. Um, and remember, this interview with the director of the Mar Sound Archives will only be available on Patreon. So sign up now. Thanks goes out to my very talented sister-in-law, Sarah McCombs, who created my logo. To the dear Misses for their use of their song, Kansas City, as the intro and outro music of the show. And last but not least, for local libraries, which enabled me to gather all of my research. Thanks for listening! Yeah.
ask you this tonight Cause I can't seem to shake this feeling And I can't seem to get you off my mind Battle of my night 